Hey, what's going on, SG Squared listener? Jason Banzoff here, producer for the Group Talk Network of Podcasts. We're going to be playing some former episodes to give you new content every single week. Some of these may be from the past couple of years, but they are still relevant today. You may hear something about COVID or some other things that may have gone at that time, so don't be worried. We did not go back in time. However, uh, these are going to be great episodes for you to listen to, so make sure you tune in to SG Squared every single week. Now on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to SG Squared. Steve Bladen, Global Small Groups Pastor at Saddleback Church, pulls from his 20-plus years of small group ministry experience to encourage and equip listeners to lead more effective small group ministry. Sit back, learn, and enjoy SG Squared with Steve Gladen. Today we're talking about three areas for your groups to shine in today's culture. Steve, set this up for us. This is this is probably one of the harder podcasts that I think that, that we we have done up to date, and uh, but I think it's necessary um, because in the last ten months uh, I've just had all kinds of conversations with people who are happy and who are mad, and pastors who are happy and who are mad, and um, some things have just really stood out to me, and it's a little bit of how unhinged we have gotten and how we've deviated from. Uh, some of the, the the fundamental playbooks of Christianity. But uh, yeah, I want to share with you why, if the church isn't careful, we're going to lose the battle on abortion, sexual attraction, racism, socialism, really any polarizing issue. Um, because if we aren't careful, the church is going to do more to repel people from us than to attract people to us. And uh, the solution is and probably isn't what some of you may think. So I want to encourage you as much as I may trigger you on something to continue to listen all the way through the podcast, because I think it's going to pull together nicely. I think we've got to talk about the three areas, uh, which I think are the underpinnings that our small group ministry ethos has to have. And this is why you as a small group uh, point leader, whether you're volunteer, whether you're paid, uh, we're going to be talking about unity, diversity, and civility, and how if those don't start playing together nicely inside our small group ministry, it's going to rip the fabric of our church apart. And what's great is that uh, our show blocks, as you guys know, we, we run in four different blocks of you know the Saddleback Scoop. And, uh, and, and then going from there, we'll, we're going to head into the, um, the network nugget and then the leadership learning and then the trending topic. But these, the blocks that we're going to, I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised. They fit nicely into this framework. And I think they touched on each one individually. But I think as we pull together in the trending topic, I'm hoping that our listeners are still with us because, uh, I, I'm excited to share dis- these polarizing issues of, uh, I think the small group ministry is going to be pivotal to holding the church together. So everybody buckle your seatbelts. This is going to be a big show. Steve's going to tackle some big issues. And like he said, stick around to the very end. You might get triggered along the way, but uh, we're going to land this plane at the end. So Steve, normally we would have a settleback scoop. Uh, where does that fit in this show then? Yeah, and actually, I think this this fit in better than than I thought because uh, it, it really modeled unity. 
every, you know, everybody loves unity. When you're when you're unified with somebody, it is the it is just the the best of times. And uh, one of the things that happened this this past weekend was we were celebrating uh, Pastor Tom Holiday, who has been at Saddleback thirty years. Did a great video montage of uh, him over the last thirty years, which was it, it was just incredible. Um, but uh, his life is just amazing how he's modeled so much to each one of us who have, uh, are coming behind him. And there's not enough things I can say for Tom and his wife, Shondell, who ministers to our staff wives. Uh, but, you know, it's great that, you know, Rick was helping to recap. And I'm, I'm going to be paraphrasing these terribly. Uh, but, you know, just, you know, he was recapping what we've learned in these 30 years about uh, being unified with each other. And, he, and one of them was, is that, Success is never a solo entity. We all need mentors and models and partners and friends, but there's no one successful person. And I love that, you know, Rick was saying this is that, you know, he's not successful being on his own. But when you're unified with others with a common interest in that is when you're when you can be the most successful. And uh, another thing you talked about um, which I am taking the loose liberties of paraphrasing this way, I would say it, but it says, you know, for me personally, the older I get, it's not so much the place I work at, but it's the people I'm doing ministry and the people I'm doing life with. And the, the honesty is, is that, you know, the, all the elders, we've been together uh, 20 plus years uh, at Saddleback and have enjoyed that run together and steering the church. Obviously we're uh, getting ready to pass it off uh, in, a, in a transition, but you know, the older you get, it's not about working at a place. It's about who you're working with. And then the third thing is, is that love always wins out in the end. Love is always what wins out in the end. You know, you can disagree with each other, but we all know that we have our best intentions in mind. And I say this to staff all the time. Nobody wakes up. Nobody wakes up and says, how can I make this person's life miserable? I mean, I don't wake up saying, how can I make Derek's life terrible? So that when it is terrible because of me, which it rarely is, I am sure. Oh, uh, never, you know, never. Never, never, never. He, he, he loves me so much. But uh, in our show notes is uh, this weekend of January, uh, this past weekend of January 24th, uh, 2021, if you're listening to this much later in the future, and January 31st, 2021. Uh, Rick has been doing a couple talks on unity and uh, just the biblical premise on it. And uh, in the show notes is the outline where he talks about, you know, 12, 12, 12 beautiful pieces that uh, are are in the church on about uh, being unified. But I, I want to touch on just a couple verses for you. Um, because when you're when you're looking at unity, and again, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this because we're we're all excited about you know being unified with somebody. We like uh, we like the people that are like us. Um, but uh, if I could just phrase it in, there's some great scriptures on your love, your faith, and your generous spirit. And Second uh, Thessalonians one three it says, "My dear friends, we always have a good reason to thank God for you because your faith in God and your love for each other." keeps growing all the time. And in you know your love love shines together and it comes together. Uh, your faith, uh, we always thank God for you and how you put your faith into practice. First Thessalonians 1, 2 and 3 uh, just talks about uh, that piece of you know it's not only just having the love, it's the faith to put it into practice and this is where it's going to tie together. The church is going to need incredible faith 
in order to bring these three areas uh, into uh, your small group ministry. And then you're just your generous spirit. Uh, I, I love what uh, this scripture uh, says to us. It says, uh, they were extremely generous in their giving, giving even more than they could afford. And so it's probably, um, you know, it's it's the, the essence of you got to start out being unified uh, as a small group ministry about having love being the peace that just permeates through everything uh, that we stand for and that our love is going to hold us through the thick and the thin. This is why we always talk about how the church is a family system. Families have bumps all the time, but it is the commitment to each other. And that's what's saddened me as I've talked with people who have been angry with us, whether it's been because of uh, how we handled the protest or how we handled the pandemic or how we handled the um, the election, or how we have handled the reopening, whatever it's been, it's 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 been you know just a, a boiler point of just saying, hey, I want to I want to leave my family. And as we know in culture, the family unit is very disposable. And the beautiful thing about unity is, is that your love, your faith, and your generous spirit will always hold it together. So. That's a, you know, it's just an incredible piece. I think Tom's celebration of his 30 years kind of was just a, a, a little snapshot of, of what unity can do for a church. I love those uh, scriptures you shared, Steve, and that quote especially, success is never a solo entity. You need mentors, models, partners, and friends. So good. Well, on to our network nugget segment talking about the latest news happenings from the SGN stratosphere and universe. Uh, Steve, take it away. Yeah. You know, on this one. Okay. So this leads into it in, in the next point uh, in a, in a little bit different way. And this is what I want to challenge for the network. Um, uh, uh, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, almost um, 10 months ago, I think it was in uh, March or April of uh, 2020. Um, we, we talked about uh, racial reconciliation. And with this, uh, Derek, I'm going to let you give some highlights on the network's happenings like you talked about, uh, give a little nugget. But I, I want to challenge you in the area of diversity. Now, we talked about unity, how everyone loves that. But I want to talk to you about diversity just a smidge. And this, you know, it, in diversity it depends on what area you're in. I've traveled the globe. I've been on uh, six of our seven continents. Um, and uh, diversity is always there. There is always prejudice. There's always churches that don't like other churches. There are people groups that don't like other people groups. There are language barriers that think their language is the best and your language is the worst. Uh, there are There's always factions that are around. Now, I haven't gone to Antarctica. It's probably the most unifying continent on the planet uh, because there's just penguins there uh, generally. Uh, but the thing that's going to be in your show notes is we did uh, two podcasts uh, just talking about uh, how your small groups, uh, how, how they can play a role in racism and then developing an anti-racist culture in your small group. And I think this would be good, good to go back and listen to as, as we're thinking about diversity, because uh, it can it can definitely be about race, no doubt about it. But a lot of times... Uh, you know, outside of race, it can be about your theology. And for centuries, theologians have been arguing and churches have split over theology. It can be about politics. You know, we just came out of an election and there's still a residual uh, 
anger and, and hate and things that are spitting out all through our culture. Um, it, it can be towards gender and, and, and all of that. Um, but part of what I would challenge the network, I, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to those two podcasts. I think they're, they help set up as you're looking, whether it's race or politics or theology or gender or, you know, wherever you may be. Um, but I, you got to look at these four areas, look at you, look at your small group and your small group ministry, look at your leadership, look at your church and, and ask yourself, how are we handling diversity? How are you handling it? Uh, do you know anybody different than you, different than you theologically in your perspective, different than you in your political bent, different than you in your gender, different than you in your race? I mean, look at you and figure out where is diversity playing a part. Uh, it can be in your small group and it may be in who your small group ministers to when they're doing a serving project. It may not be so much in your small group, although I think that would be healthy. Uh, look at your small group ministry. Is it segregated as much as our country is segregated, whether it's theology, whether it's race, whether it's your political views, uh, whether it's gender? You know, gender breakdowns are great, but sometimes, you know, uh, we need each other's gender um, or need the other gender, I should say. Uh, Your church leadership, who is steering your small group ministry and then just your church overall. Now, you may not have too much input into your your church uh, but you do have a whole lot of input into the leadership of your small group ministry. And I would just encourage you in the area of diversity, uh, challenge yourself. Let's make 2021 someplace where you, you just work. I mean, I know my small group, we're very ethnically diverse. And there are many things that we have said to each other that the other has to clue us in on and saying, hey, that's a pain point or that's a hurt. Or I felt felt offended in all of that. So, um, you know, just I, I'd encourage you in the area of diversity to look through that. Now, I know, Derek, you got fun things to say, um, but uh, I, just want, I want you to challenge yourself and your small group, your small group ministry, your leadership in your church and, uh, and uh, honestly looking at diversity and seeing where you're at, because it's going to play a big part when we talk about the trending topic. No, that's really good. And uh, yeah, I get to share a couple of fun things here. Not that yours weren't fun, but in our last show, Steve, we didn't get to uh, take a minute and celebrate some of the wins of the previous year um, because I don't want to assume it. I mean, you know, so often we do that as a church. Uh, we, we're on to the next hill all the time. We never reflect back. So thanks for bringing us back to that. And uh, it was an amazing report. Um Maybe you can throw that in the show notes, too, just to uh, help us out. Yeah, exactly. So every year in December, we release our annual ministry report. Uh, This year, we called it the top 10 highlights of 2020. And I mean, despite all the challenges of 2020 with COVID-19, 2020 was still an incredible year for the Small Group Network. It really was. And I mean, God did so many great things in and through our ministry, and our teams. Um, It would be impossible to list them all. I just wanted to read through uh, just the top 10 highlights real quick. Uh, Number one, really cool, we reached the most ever countries last year. Um, We connected with, encouraged, or equipped small group point people in 125 different countries in 2020. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. Another big win or highlight was uh, the launch of our new online training platform. You've heard, heard us talk a lot about that on this podcast. Uh, you can go to smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash courses, and you'll see our uh, online training platform where you can uh, enroll in some of our uh, 
learning management system courses. We've got a line and we've got accelerate coming up. So that's been cool. I think I saw it live on the, on the webcast on the um, website already. So it's not just coming. It's here. Yeah. Yeah. It's here. We just launched accelerate and uh, it's going to be, it's our biggest ever course. We're really excited about that. So check that out. Um, our group talk podcast, this very podcast that we're on, really expanded to new heights. We went from one show last year to now four shows um, with a new episode every week. So that's been a big win. We had uh, we created a new COVID-19 small group resource page. We saw those resources surge. Uh, our leadership team grew to the biggest ever uh, since we've been in existence as a network. So we're excited about our team and just a shout out to all of our amazing leaders, you whether you're a, whether you're a, a small group network blogger or a podcast host or a social media manager, or all of our amazing connection team leaders, our directors, our regional leaders, you guys make the network happen. So we're so grateful for you. A couple more wins. From 2020, we launched our new Spanish website. Steve, how much do you like that? Uh, I was going to say wee oui, wee, oui, but that's French. Uh, <laughs> See, we launched our new cohort program, which is pretty cool. You want to say anything about that super fast, Steve? No, yeah. I mean, uh, we're developing cohorts for every one of our courses. If you've never done a cohort professionally, uh, if you are in the uh, marketplace or uh, even in a church uh, lear learning system, uh, it's, a, it's a powerful means of, of learning with a group of people that uh, can eventually be in your huddle. Uh, so it's exciting stuff. We're excited to roll those out. So Align has a number of cohorts that are rolling already in 2021, but look forward to every one of our courses having a, a Align companion that go with it. Three more quick highlights. Uh, our newsletter growth continues to, uh, to, to expand more huddles and COPs than ever before. And then we saw a record breaking website views in 2020, 182,930 plus website views. So pretty exciting wins. And before I turn it over to Steve, one more thing is virtual lobby gathering is coming. Uh, very fast. It's coming up uh, February 23rd to the 20, uh, I'm sorry, 23rd and 24th. It's going to be an amazing online event from 9 a.m. to noon Pacific Standard Time on that Tuesday and Wednesday. We've got some uh, two amazing panel sessions for you guys and then over 50 plus breakout sessions. So go to smallgroupnetwork.com forward slash events and you can uh, get 30% off now by using the code save cash. Don't you love that code, Steve? Save cash. I love, I love to save cash. Is it all caps or lower or it doesn't matter? I don't think it matters, but go all caps just to be safe. That sounded pretty confident. I love that answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we uh, move off the network nuggets on diversity, just to, just to highlight, uh, whenever you're in proximity with someone not like you and get to know their story, it breeds empathy. And uh, and so it's going to be important for each of us to 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 walk through that the, those pieces. Just uh, let me give you something that that may not be on the high, highlight reel, but uh, when our small group. Uh, uh, we have a couple people in our small group who are of Japanese descent. And when we went to Manzanar, and to me, I was totally unaware of what Manzanar was, but it was a holding ground for uh, Japanese-American people. And when uh, 
World War II uh, erupted out here uh, by the bombing of Pearl Harbor, uh, all of the Japanese Americans were put into internment camps and they lost all of their possessions and everything. And, and you don't realize, we didn't realize the impactment. It was totally, completely off my radar. Um, but as a small group, we went up there because two of the people in our group of Japanese descent, their grandparents were in those internment camps and they lost everything. Uh, the government came in, seized all their assets. Uh, they were put into an internment camp. And then at the close of the war, it was, sorry about that. We made a mistake and hope you start off okay. But to be in that time and uh, holding arms uh, with each other, and um, I was with one of my closest brothers in our group, uh, Tyra, and and crying with him uh, because uh, being the proximity of being close to the pain gave me a whole new set of empathy. And so before we just go off diversity, it's not so much of healing uh, although we, we want racial reconciliation, but it's just getting to know people that are different than you and understand what makes them tick and their pain points. So just want to go into that before we uh, go to the next thing. So, wow, we are like going from highs and lows and laughing to crying on this show. This is this isn't going to be an epic one to remember. <laughs> well, you know what? You know that's the that's the beauty of uh, what this pandemic has brought. It's brought, brought parallel tracks of highs and lows that have had pain points. So let me um, let me let me say. And by the way, those uh, those those great highlights that Derek gave you, we'll put on the show notes there. We got it marked and earmarked that we'll we'll make sure that you guys get to see that if you didn't see it. And I've got that uh, I got that in my notes, Derek. So we'll kind of move with it. Let's go on to the uh, leadership learning, which uh, we're going to talk about civility. And uh, Derek, I want you to practice civility with me. You know, it's important that you and I model this on the show so that, you know, <laughs> things can happen. Uh, uh, you know, basically, uh, and this is going to be in the show notes too. I, I want to give you seven guidelines to being civil. It has broken my heart as I've talked with followers of Christ who are basically jerks. Um, who lash out that they scream, that they, they, they spew and they can't even do it in a civil way. And when civility leaves our churches, uh, it models just awful, awful, uh, things to the, the people who don't know Christ. And so I want to give you seven guidelines and I know this show is a little bit longer, but I think it's going to be very important for each one of us to uh, kind of digest these things. That's what we're going to put in the show notes. But if you're going to have a conversation with somebody not like you, so we're coming out of diversity and now we're going to talk about civility. But the first thing is, is you need to listen with your eyes. Don't roll your eyes listen with your eyes and acknowledge their views. You know, one of the things I've, I've, uh, whenever I'm dialoguing with people who are upset at Saddleback for whatever reason, this is even goes previous to the pandemic. Like when we, uh, change worship styles, when we changed and we stopped midweek, uh, to when we've done a, when we started, uh, reaching out to, uh, uh, HIV AIDS and did, did conferences, you know, whatever people were upset about, it's important to acknowledge people and just hear them because they have genuine points of view that you need to, to listen to, not interrupt. Although many times our listening skills are trained to say, uh, what should I say about this point that I'm just pissed off about that they said, uh, but actually spend your time listening to them with that. The second thing is, is when you're going to meet with somebody, uh, monitor 
how hungry are you and how sleepy are you? Uh, you know, and this is like marriage 101. You don't have a discussion in your marriage when you're both hangry and when you're both sleepy. Uh, I remember when the kids were young and we were both sleep deprived. It was not a healthy time to have a conversation about anything. Uh, you know, just even last night, you know, right before airing the show, Lisa and I were in bed both fatigued. We have a, we have a pet that is, uh, you know, not sure how long it's going to survive. We were both just totally fatigued about something. And, uh, and, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, the dog loses its ability to hold its stuff in its body. And so, you know, I I know, (laughs) laugh at my pain. That's not being civil right there, people. That is, it is, but, and then it became a discussion of, who, who's cleaning it up? Why did it happen? And when you're fatigued, it doesn't go to a good place, but you know, monitor that. Number three, uh, understand what's their diet between social media, uh, news and the good news. And, uh, this is one of my greatest learnings in talking with people. If, if they have a healthy balance of social media news and reading the good news, then the conversation will be good. If it's skewed more towards this, you know, they're spending mo- more time in social media news than they are in good news. That that should be a highlight, but it, it's something where we want to steer things towards. Uh, the fourth thing is uh, neither side, neither side can trivialize, tri- trivialize, uh, trivialize. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for uh, or dismiss the concerns of the others. So, uh, their feelings aren't facts, but they are their feelings. Uh, the next one, number five, neither side should define the other according to a single characteristic or identity marker. And so often there are talking points that we know about people or how they're going to act or how they're going to believe or where their theology is or where their race is or where their political leanings are or where their gender's at. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're stereotyping them and you just can't do that. Number six, both sides should aim to help each other understand their own experiences and perspectives using a type of speech. Now, this can be your tone or your words that can be heard by the other. And I would just say this, people are going to remember your tone more they're gonna, than they're going to remember your words when you're having a conversation. So, you know, obviously if, if words go off, off the, off the rails and, you know, there's cussing and, you know, slanderous remarks and things like that, obviously very bad, but even well-meant nice words, if the tone isn't right, it can, it can hurt the civility of the issue. And then the, the seventh thing I want to encourage you to go with is both sides. Now this is going to be a point that it tripped me up and I think it might trip you up too, but listen, listen to me through. Both sides should accept the fundamental ground rule of life in a free society. The essence of liberty is the right to be different and act wrongly in the eyes of others. And part of this is you just got to agree to disagree. But let me read that to you again. The essence of liberty is the right to be different and to act wrongly in the eyes of others. Now, what this spawns up is, you know, you you look at the fundamental role of fear in situations of public conflict that we end up facing in our culture, politics, and law. And can I even say in our small groups that when people can behave differently, 
and act wrongly in, in my eyes, they're acting wrongly in my eyes, that can trigger, that can trigger fear with that. And it can be the fear of being excluded from full participation in this public disclosure or in public life. That's a f- genuine fear. It can be a fear that the other side is going to try and coerce or change my side's core identity. There can be the fear that the other side will use the power of law to force my side's conformity with beliefs and practices that we find vile. And I'm going to spend the, tr- the trending topic talking, talking a lot about that because laws are always downstream of culture. And so I want to, I want to, want to wrap talking about that. And then there's a fourth fear, the fear of losing or betraying deeply valued uh, relationships of love, either with the divine or with people or with both. Now, now when you're looking at civility and you're looking at those seven things, it's going to be important as we're, we're, you know, wrapping through, you know, on, on how to be civil with each other and how not to, you know, to step on each other's toes. But fear is your greatest enemy in being civil. Uh, I've seen, uh, you know, over the last eight years or so, how different presidents can cause the other side to have a presidential deranged syndrome. Uh, I saw it four years ago. I see it currently. Both sides, we all kind of get, you know, messed up because our focus isn't on doing Jesus stuff and really believing that Jesus has everything in control. And when you are a follower of Christ and you understand first century, first century people, we had nothing to do with government. The Roman Empire totally dictated everything to us as believers because our identity wasn't in politics. Now, I get how politics can play a role, and I can understand how people can want laws that are in place. But in the end, the laws never change people's hearts. In uh, 1865, when Abraham Abraham Lincoln, you know, uh, gave the Emancipation Proclamation, you know, it was law. But not everyone's hearts were changed because of, of the law. And that's why having a civil approach to dialoguing with people and agreeing to disagree doesn't mean, you know, I have brothers and sisters that I know from different uh, religious backgrounds, uh, sometimes on the evangelical side, sometimes on, you know, uh, in that vast array of, you know, mainline churches uh, or versus the, the new founding uh, denominations that have sprung up from uh, people in the Jewish world and uh, in the Muslim world and that I can agree to disagree. It doesn't mean I'm going to follow them or want to be a part of them, but I can also be civil towards them. And, and that's the important thing that so often we forget how to give to civility. And I think the trending topic is going to help pull these pieces uh, together, but I'll give it to Derek if there's commentary or just push on. No, I really enjoyed the seven points on the civilities. That was really great. And today we're talking about, last but not least in this trending topic, the three areas your groups can shine in today's culture, because that's really the positive spin on all this, is we want your groups to shine as dark as the culture gets. We're called to be the light. And, you know, before I hand it off to Steve, as Steve kind of hit on earlier, I mean, we are coming out of the craziest year 
that most of us have ever lived in 2020 with the mm. pandemic and the riots. We're coming out of the craziest political election that uh, probably most of us alive can remember. So this is really uncharted territory. None of us claim to have all the answers. And so Steve and I are doing our best here to navigate with all of you on these topics. So Steve, take it from there. Yeah. And just to put a exclamation point on the, the craziness, I just saw that uh, in today's paper that uh, because of the high rate of suicides amongst teenagers, uh, Las Vegas has voted to open their school system wide open because of the uh, of the, the, the side effects that this pandemic has been having. I know we try to to limit it to, you know, oh, it's, it's all about the protests or it's all about the pandemic or it's all about the presidential election, you know, these big things there. But the underlying uh, repercussions that we've had have just been huge. And so, um, you know, so I just want to echo, you know, this is personally, I've been going through this. Derek's been going this. We don't have all the answers, as he's been saying, uh, but we got to have civil conversations because the church is starting to look like it doesn't have the answers. It's starting to look like it may have the answers, whether you're uh, on one side or another in your leanings, uh, because we all go to that unity side, but we don't, we, we look like our political affiliation is the answer first helping people look to Jesus as, as the answer. And, and as I said before, you know, I, I it baffles my mind why we think laws are going to change people's hearts when it's only going to be the gospel that is going to change somebody's heart. And, you know, that's seen uh, in uh, in America in the uh, Obama era where uh, abortion was, you know, talked about and said to be okay. But because the church was able to do its part, you know, actually abortions went down. And when you look at big topics at a super high level, like abortion or sexual identity or racism or, or socialism, which, you know, there's there's people that are all in a tizzy about socialism. You know, like I said, laws don't change people's heart. But if the church does what it should do, if your small group ministry, if your small group will do the right biblical thing, It'll do more to change where our country's going than than any and than any part of legislation, because any legislation that comes through doesn't really change my heart. It tells me what I can do without going to prison or something like that. But a law for or against abortion doesn't affect my point of view. The Bible affects my point of view. Let me just give you some some uh, uh, high point of view. Let's look at some of the hot topics, and this will get me, I'm sure, in much trouble as as I'm talking about this. But you look at abortion. You know, in the show notes is uh, some stats, a little bit dated, but they've only been proven harder uh, in the 2020 data that's shown. But the two main reasons why people uh, get an abortion is because they don't think they're going to have the health care to take care of their, their baby. And they don't have a community that will accept them. Now, can you help me with how beautiful small groups are and being able to come around people and to give them community? You know, what's even a screwier uh, stat is that most people who get abortions have a religious background and are married, but they don't think they're going to have the support. They don't think they can afford it. Uh, they're making a decision based on isolation. What do you think this pandemic has done? Put us in isolation. So a lot of us are making decisions in such an isolated form that we don't have the context 
of how your small groups can help people that are going through distress. Um, look at look at racism. Uh, the most segregated hour in America is on Sunday mornings. And, and I get why we like unity because of music styles or, or preaching styles or things like that. But if we don't work to, to get to know other people that are different than us, and if we struggle with diversity, it's just going to, it's going to split that divide more open than ever before. Socialism that people are, are, are scared about. And this is just my point of view. It's not even Derek's. Uh, so it's just my point of view of why socialism could happen in the United States because we live in such a broken society and we have such broken systems that we have generations of young adults who are voting that uh, they haven't had a parent. They haven't had a church that's rallied around them and seen the beauty of what a small group can bring them. And so when they don't have those things and the government says, hey, we'll step in, we'll be your parent, of course they're going to vote for something like that because they've never had it. But if the church would do it, oh my goodness, it w- there's, cert- there's things that we wouldn't even contemplate doing because the church is there. And, and in sexual identity that hits most you know, people going into puberty. So when they're in fifth or sixth grade or, or middle school or junior high or wherever you do it, unfortunately, the church sometimes isn't open to conversations, uh, to have a conversation. Um, they don't know how to show love, but also show the biblical approach to what it is. It tends to be more, uh, I fear I'm losing control. We talked about this in the civility block. I fear like I'm losing control. So what I want to do is I want to clamp down. And the church is beautiful about making laws. If you want to go into one of our more less exciting places of uh, church history, look at the Salem witch trials and how the church led the moment to, uh, you know, make, you know, erratic decisions without conversations. Uh, but in sexual identity, I think, you know, a person, if you don't know him, uh, Preston Sprinkle, um, is just super to help your church do that. Now, I don't mean to go into these four issues, but I'm just saying these are hot topic things that if the church doesn't move more towards looking at unity, looking at diversity, looking at civility, we're going to divide the church into two camps. We're going to have churches that uh, become political engines. So you can go to your church to hear your political side, or we're going to have churches that are going to focus on the the Great Commission and the Great Commandment and doing the things that help our community see Jesus in a great light. Uh, for years, uh, you know, I, I've been affiliated with denominations that have seen uh, what they would consider left-leaning churches do nothing for the gospel. And I'll tell you right now, we're on the precipice of seeing right-wing churches doing the exact same thing, because instead of being attractional to people, we're being revolting to people by the way we act. And so what I would encourage you is on the Sermon of the Mount was a beautiful piece when Jesus talked about, lead us not into temptation. And so often we, we go to hot topics and we get tempted to make it, let me win my argument Verse, let me learn about the person. And, uh, and there's a whole, you know, thing I could go into, but, you know, study temptation. 
And so many of those very things about how you can move away from temptation, which is in the Sermon on the Mount, you always hear taught on sexual temptation. But there's a temptation to get into politics. There's a temptation to get into racism. There's a temptation to get into gender slamming. There's a temptation that that leads us into, you know, any point of view you want to go towards. And so all I'm just saying is that in this show, I want to encourage you in your small group ministry, you have to lead the way. You have to model it personally. You have to see it in your small group. You have to be able to uh, help, you know, that your small group ministry be the tip of the fear, spear, fear, not tip of the fear, tip of the fear, uh, uh, being able to say, how can we can we look at unity and take the sweetness of what unity can bring? But yet, how can we go into diversity and not be have our heads in the sand and not seeing what's around us? And how can we look towards civility so we can have conversations? We may end up in with different perspectives, but that's okay because the perspective that is the most important to us is not how you vote, is, is not how you look, is not the language you speak, but the most important thing to us is how are we helping the gospel move forward in being a light to the world in a culture, as Derek alluded to, is going very, very, very dark. And if we're not careful, we're going to be contributors to that split in the divide versus being healers of what unity is about. And again, I just encourage you, look at Rick's notes that are in the show notes, uh, 12 great things on you know helping with unity. But it starts with us as small group point leaders. It ekes into our own personal small group and will carry into our small group ministry and our church. Well, you navigated that well, Steve. Great job. Those are your three areas for your groups to shine in today's culture. And uh, we really hope and pray that that encouraged you. And we hope that that uh, will encourage your group ministry in turn. And as always, we want to thank you guys for spending part of your day with us. Until next time, goodbye. See you. Thank you for listening to Steve Gladen on Small Groups. If you like what you've heard, make sure you subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you want to learn more, make sure you check out smallgroupnetwork.com for more resources.